0: There's two sides yeah. of the coin, obviously. There's be more efficient and more frugal or whatever, or mm. make more money.
1: Hey folks, this is Michael Vizi from Amazing FBA Podcast for Amazon sellers. I'd like to introduce an episode from our sister podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, which has got a slightly broader remit for all e-commerce sellers. In this deep dive episode, Jason Miles and I deep dive into a key e-commerce topic. Hope you enjoy the show smart e-commerce operators know that net profit is the lifeblood of a business better a small and profitable business than a large one which earns no money the profit habits workbook by jason miles gives you 17 specific proven profit-taking actions for a limited time we are sharing this valuable resource with our listeners completely free Download your 60-page workbook and start making your business more profitable today. Just visit theecommerceleader.com forward slash profit habits. That's theecommerceleader.com forward slash profit habits. Recently, in the London version of the Mastermind, the 10K Collector Mastermind, one of our members was coming up with a very classic scenario that Jason and I are going to talk through. So, Jason, I'm really looking forward to your thoughts on this. So. One of the members that I know listens to the show regularly. So this could be really helpful. And it's a real world example. And that is this. They've discovered that their supplier is selling the exact same products with slightly different branding, of course, to a competitor who is also selling on Amazon. So now they have the classic problem. They're selling the exact same product as a competitor. Can they keep their market share? Can they keep their pricing? Should they even stay in the product? So that is basically. The challenge today, 12 ways to beat the competitor who's selling the exact same product. Jason, really looking forward to your thoughts on this. A very practical problem.
0: Yeah, I love this topic. This is a great one because it's real world of competitive marketing. Absolutely. And when you right. mentioned this scenario to me, I just said, yes, yes, yes. Let's talk about this. <laughs> and then I said, let's have it be twelve ways to beat a competitor who's selling the exact same product. I didn't have the 12 ways in my mind exactly, but I knew we could come up with 12 ways. And to be honest in any creative brainstorming session, you could probably come up with 20 or 30 ways to beat a competitor who's selling the exact same product. So we'll just give you the highlights here of our our top 12 that came to mind. I think as the listeners kind of hear our reflections on this, they'll probably come up with their own additional ideas and sparks of creativity will fly off this podcast maybe. And I, I think it is powerful and meaningful because many of us find ourselves in this situation. We don't have an exclusive we don't have our own proprietary product. We don't have, you know, a, a, an item that we've designed, made and have patented that we can protect. We've got to be out there, you know, slogging the goods side of people who maybe have the resources or the access to the exact same stuff that we do. And so how do you play in that space? So anyway, this is, this is going to be a fun one. I think we'll rattle through these fairly quickly. I don't think we need to belabor the point on any of the 12 ideas. But it'll give people certainly lots of grist for the mill. So yeah, let's jump into it, man.
1: Let's do this. Well, the first one involves Dan Kennedy, the Diane, the granddaddy of of a lot of internet marketing these days. So what's the first one?
0: Yeah, I, I love this quote from Dan Kennedy. I think a lot of, I hear people quoting him saying that he says this, so I assume it's in one of his books. And he says that whoever can spend the most money to acquire a cup, the customer will win. And so, you know, if you're selling head to head against somebody who has the exact same product as you, if you can sell, you know, to a hundred thousand of those people, if your competitor can only afford to sell to 10 of them, you win. Now, you know, that begs the question, well, how can you afford to spend more on a customer if you're selling the same thing? Well, there are lots of ways that you can have a slimmer margin, just operate with less profit. You can. You can be more efficient in your system. You can have investors that come alongside you that have a long time horizon, you know, that give you money and say, Hey, build this business. You can borrow a ton of money knowing that you're going to build you know, a, a brand in a, a customer base that you can then, you know, grow from there and on and on and on. I mean, there's a million ways you could figure out how to spend more money to acquire a customer, but that's the first thing that came out my mind.
1: Yeah. I like that a lot. And by the way, I think the exact quote is something like, ultimately, the business that can spend the most to acquire a customer wins, which is also endorsed by someone like Perry Marshall as well. I think it's really important to know that you can afford to do this if you start down this kind of route. Another classic thing that I've taken for that Dan Kennedy quote is what he calls a bigger back end. So if you're upselling, downselling, selling, -selling, which if you are an Amazon-based seller, as most of the guys in the group, including the people who came up with this situation are, that's harder to do. Um, you can do it, but you've got to work really, really hard at it. If you've got your own direct consumer yeah. side, I guess, then that's, you know, it's all about that. The implication <laughs> of that statement, I guess, is that you can afford yeah. to spend the money. So you got to make mm. it back somewhere else. But anyway,
0: there's two sides yeah. of the coin. Obviously, there's be more efficient and more frugal or whatever, or mm. make more money. Right. So, I mean, yeah. yeah so to your point, or we'll talk about how to make more money. Yeah. Okay. Good. Number two, then what's this next? Yeah. Whip? I think. Let's just use Dan's sort of phraseology here, he who does whatever wins. So let's just continue that thread. So the second one would be, he who has a better brand wins. And you have a better brand in many, many ways. Technically you're never selling the exact same product because you're selling it under a name of your Amazon account at a minimum. But if it's a, you know, if you've got a brand registry, then you've got your, your name brand, you've got your logo, and a brand can have deep meaning. Uh, it can imply things to people. It can be in, in better alignment with the, who the customer is, what their desires are, their hopes, their fears, you know, you can, you can align your branding to better, to an ideal prospect, I guess is the idea. You can have higher quality execution on, and this is branding still higher execution on things like your photography, your graphic art. Your copywriting. Um, and then the biggest kicker, I would say of all of these on the branding side is on any place, Amazon, eBay, Etsy, Walmart, your own Shopify site. The biggest kicker for branding is you could have better packaging. And the packaging by itself can be a differentiator that draws your ideal customer to the product. This classic example we like to talk about in Omni, at OmniRocket is my business partner, Kyle has a a product in fact if you're watching us by by video right now I have an example of it i've shown in the video and the the product itself is skateboard bearings and they got a design patent on the packaging and the packaging is a very very different and unique way to present the product and it's beautiful it's it's cool i'll just for those of you who just listening, I'll just base, basically say: roller skate bearings usually come in a, a, a package that's sort of like a, a roll of coins, you know, like, or a battery, like a, like a, a set of AA batteries. How those are usually just shrink wrapped, but the packaging that Kyle and his business partner Gary came up with for this brand, it made it that more like a plastic pyramid, and you can see the product inside. And they, so it gave them a whatever a pyramid is: one, two, three like four dimensional package space, but it pla- it's, it's clear plastic and this packaging is so cool by itself. It really stands out incredibly well, by uh, hey, uh, next to the, the competitor's product. And so yeah. Yeah, all that to say, you're never selling the exact same thing, you know, your brand It's true. Well, if you're
1: selling packaging that cool, particularly it's giftable, then you're selling something that is physically different. And I guess mm-hmm. that that's a, a fairly cheap and sustainable way of creating a point of difference that can mm-hmm. be very profitable. Do play
0: the math out. I think it's good good to do. Yeah. Let's say you're buying your, your, uh, your cost of goods, the same exact thing your competitor's buying. Let's say it costs a dollar a unit and you're selling it for like $7 a unit. I wouldn't recommend you do that business on Amazon, but nonetheless, let's say people do. But let's say you can spend an extra dollar on packaging. So you literally have a dollar of cost in the item itself and a dollar of cost in the packaging. So now you've got two dollars, uh, you know, really cost of goods, but let's say you can sell it for $17.99 because it's so super differentiated. Who wouldn't take that? Who wouldn't take that approach? You know, you would definitely want to at least test that to say, is there a high end customer that will take a high end price point because the high end packaging sells the deal. So there you go. That's the idea.
1: Yeah, I like that a lot and, and I think that I see people do that well. Sometimes I think Kyle's were well on the higher end of people doing it and I, I definitely worth putting a lot of thought and energy into it. And, and I can also talk to specialist packaging suppliers. I've I've put clients before on to specialist packaging suppliers mm-hmm. and I think that was part of their success for sure. A couple of caveats, and I think the name and logo the sort of graphics you choose, the photography needs to be great in the eyes of your consumer. I think it can be to fall in love with your own brand. So you've got to build on an understanding of hopes, fears, customer desires, all that stuff you mentioned mm-hmm. and build from that into the visible band, brand elements. And I think that's the only thing that I would put a caveat around. Just putting a logo on per se doesn't add value. Putting a logo on that resonates with your your customers mm-hmm. is where the value gets added, I think. Yeah, totally. Okay,
0: on to number three. Number three. Who has a better operating system and efficiency wins. You know, a lot of businesses are structured very differently in terms of how you behave, you know, from the very inception of your relationship with the manufacturer, the order quantity, the deal you get with them, which we'll talk about separately in a moment, but even the standard operating process and procedures with them or with any other, you know, link in the chain, things like your third party logistics warehouse even the import, customs, duty process, payment process, the business who has the most lean and efficient system is going to have a marked competitive advantage over somebody who's, you know, doing stuff back of the envelope, having, you know, stuff imported into random ways, different places, different speeds, different cost structures for import. Another example from Kyle's business that I remember he told me one time was he had a system where he couldn't do a whole whole container full of product and it was costing him a ton and then he found a system where you can actually go in with other sellers and have a co a, a co container like a co-shipped container where you get the pricing benefits of a full container load but you've done it with the collaboration of two or three you know other sellers and he said it saved him an insane amount of money, and the, and it, that went to the bottom line profitability. That's really big. That that makes yeah. a huge difference. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you're competing yeah. with somebody who doesn't know that, and you know that, you're making a lot more money. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you can spend more money to acquire the customer. Therefore, you win. And I think this comes down to
1: knowing as well. There are twelve possibilities here, and it's good to work on all of them. But the, the reality is probably going to be going to be super, super good. That's very American. <laughs> very good. At a couple of them. And your competitors may be better at others. So it's really important not to compete in a Jiu Jitsu tournament. If you're a karate specialist, you're going to lose. That's not well put. But if you're not very yeah. good at being efficient, like some of the Chinese factories can pump out goods incredibly cheaply. If you're competing mm. directly with them and your branding isn't on point, then you're losing out big time. So you and then yeah, make sure play the you're at one of these. So yeah. absolutely right. And I think order quantity management, by the way, is absolutely huge. It's kind of obvious, but I think it's worth really deep diving into getting good at this. If you have too little stock, then you go out a stock and you lose a huge amount of profits and one of the mm-hmm. revelations to a couple of the mastermind members who've been around for decades of business is recently struck them again as a whole new revelation, duh, if I don't go out of stock on my best sellers, I'm going to make yeah. it an, an awful lot more money, like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars more in profit, Never mind sales. Mm-hmm. And the opposite side is if you ca- tie your cash up in slow moving stock, then you can Slow growth, hugely, or even just grind to a halt while you wait to sell through this over stock. So I think being obsessive about getting order quantity as right as possible and making any deal you can with your supplier that works on that number is, is really, really critical. And uh, I know some people yeah. are really obsessed about that and get really good at it. And those others who order 12 months worth of stock all the time, and that's really bad, don't do yeah. that.
0: Yeah, I would say that a twist to this that we didn't really put on the list, but I'd also say there's, you know, sort of an incremental idea on this is whoever can have better pricing management also wins. So let's call that a subset or a 13th idea. But, you know, if, for example, you've got a head to head competitor and they're playing a mark da- down game with you and, and they mark down, mark down, mark down, and they, they're always wanting to sell underneath you. You know, you can let them, you can drive them low, let them sell through. And then when they're out of stock, you control price and, you know, you, you got to play this cat and mouse game sometimes with competitors to find out on, on Amazon anyway, what their ability to control pricing is and their stock quantities. And basically you'll find out who you're dealing with. And if you're dealing with somebody who's just dabbling in your product line, then you'll know, or if you're dealing with somebody who's got super deep pockets and is, you know, you know, has other ways to make money and they're going to drive you down on price and they don't care Mm. and will never go out of stock, then you'll know. I mean, so part of the experimentation of the better process is it's a real world competition process. It is like boxing or, you know, MMA or something where you've got to see what the competitor is going to do and then you've got to have a better process and then beat them. I agree. I think you can do a little bit of research
1: for your opponent. If you're going up against a Chinese factory, just bear mm-hmm. in mind that most of them don't even need to make a profit. It's a weird mm-hmm. thing to say, but they'll get a bit of a reimbursement from the state. A lot of businesses are state or partly state-owned. I think that trend has gone up over the last few years. So mm-hmm. you've got to be very aware of the fact that you have to make a profit because you're in that kind of business in UK, USA, Europe. Yeah. And your competitors may not be, in which case I would say that you want to be very careful about going into a fight with those guys because they got, Nothing to use in the first place. And those guys pump out stocks. That's what a factory does in China, particularly. So yes, you've got to be very very careful to compete with. Veteran e-commerce operators know that net profit is the vital lifeblood of a business. Better a small and profitable business than a large one that earns no money. The Profit Habits Workbook is designed to give you 17 actionable, specific and proven profit-taking actions. You can implement them at your own pace and let the power of this trusted framework revolutionize your company. The Profit Habits Workbook makes profit improvement a fast and efficient achievement. For a limited time, we are now sharing this resource with our listeners completely free with no strings attached. To download your 60-page workbook and begin your journey to a more profitable business today, just visit theecommerceleader.com forward slash
0: Profit Habits. I would say you compete with them differently than, you know, you, you play to your strengths differently than theirs. Play to the strength True. that we're, we're, you know, from Louisville, Kentucky, and we will talk to you on the phone anytime you want. And our hometown brand is really vitally important to us, da, da, da. You know, so you, you play to your strengths. Let's move swiftly on
1: to number four. What's the yeah. fourth way to beat your competitor when you're selling pretty much the same product?
0: Yeah, it follows to that line of thinking that we were just on a moment ago. And that is, he who has the better financial management wins. And I just tell you, one of our clients that is, I would say one of our best clients, most successful clients, used to be a CPA at Coopers, or like a big six accounting firm. I think it was that one, but he's like a CPA level operator on the finances. He crushes it because I mean, like, he just knows what he's doing. And it all, it goes in this one from all the way from the supplier terms Like how long will they give you, you know, basically free stock without needing to be paid? Is it net 60? Is it net 30? Is it net 90? Is it, you know, some other deal that's even better than that? And then how do you pay them? Is it with a credit card so you get 2% cash back? And then how do you pay that credit card off? Do you use a line of credit from a bank that allows you to have a longer term financial runway so that you can sell through all of your inventory before you really have to pay it back? All of those systems for financial, you know, savviness are things to learn about, understand, and and implement into your business so that you're absolutely as wise financially as you possibly can be. In terms of how to manage cash flow, and you know your your cost of goods and all that, I get weirdly excited by this. So
1: it gets to show different people like different things, right? I just know the power of this. I mean, in a mastermind, one of the guys who's importing from China, just the the previous meeting in March, 2023, I just said, go back and talk to us. He said, I, I need about another, I don't know, he had a 50,000 pound or, you know, $70,000 shortfall in his finances at a particular time of year. And I said, go and make it the suppliers problem, particularly if your suppliers are in China, because we're talking about the Chinese can compete in a weird way with Westerners because they don't have to make a profit. But one of the reasons they can do that is because they will also get loans from the Chinese government who also give loans that don't seem to care about really having much security or, or getting repaid necessarily. And it's a funny business, but you can take advantage of that because your suppliers can pass on that free credit to you in the form of supplier credit, which is obviously interest free. And that can really make a difference if you can, if you've got some history with them and if you put in a big order, but you don't have to pay for it all at once. And they can put that on a purchase order and and show the boss, "I've got a you know hundred thousand dollar order. You don't have to pay for it. You can break it into pieces over the course of a year, and then you can really get some credits in return for not so much a lower price, which is harder to get in China below a certain floor because they aren't going to make much profit. So there's not much to give away in terms of price, you know, per unit. But the terms, my goodness, they're negotiable. So it's always always worth renegotiating those, particularly if you have some history here that particular person saved themselves several months worth of, of stuff. I think that the next meeting you'd come back, you got about $70,000 worth of credit just from a conversation with one supplier and and that happens all the time. So it's always worth a conversation with your supplier, particularly there in
0: China, not only. Yeah. John. Yeah. I mean, this is the, this is a huge way to win. And uh, I mean, this is, the, this is the, this is the, probably the biggest idea of how to win at the great game of e-commerce just broadly, you know, let alone against a head-to-head competitor selling the same thing as, as you have. This is how you build a, a real fine operating e-commerce business is yeah. you get really, really good at financial management. Yeah. agree. Now the, the next
1: one's a bit more down at home. You mentioned the, the folks over in Leeville, Kentucky. I can't do the accent. So this presumably comes into this one a little bit more.
0: Yeah. Number five is see who has better customer service wins. So. We pride ourselves in hometown, you know, relationships in Louisville, Kentucky. I mean, I'm from California. What do I know about Louisville, Kentucky accent? I did wonder about the choice. Yeah. You get the idea. You could do the, you know, the idea in any accent you like. The idea is people buy from people and people really appreciate the opportunity to chat, email, get on the phone. I mean, we have customers who have phone numbers prominently on the top of their Shopify site, top right corner, you do that and you're making a statement about your willingness to talk to people and walk them through the questions that they have in their mind. You, you don't have any of that. You don't have any way for people to get a hold of you. You're making a statement about your commitment to their satisfaction and happiness. And so, you know, on Shopify in particular, all things being equal, you're infinitely better off having a phone number slathered up on the top right of your site prominently there. So people know, Oh, I, if I need to, I could just call them and talk to them. And you need to be able to, you know, have the process behind that. But that's a really powerful thing. You know, having somebody's a hundred percent commitment to your, your personal guarantee to your customers and having that be stated out there. Like we promise your satisfaction or your money back when the, all versions of that are great. Any, any version of that that's even, you know, above and beyond. I, you know, a customer has a 110% money back guarantee. You know, stuff like that is powerful. And you do that and your com- competitor doesn't do that, you're definitely going to have an edge. Totally agree with this one. I, I just want to say a couple of things. I mean, first of all,
1: had a couple of clients, again, they were, it's not my usual bag, but a couple of Shopify business owners. And by talking to customers a lot, they actually gained huge insight, particularly in the early days. It's really, really important to understand who's buying and why and what the niggles are. And so you can talk about refining your systems and processes, you need to know what problems you're solving for in the first place. And you don't always know them unless somebody tells you. So that that was very interesting, how much value comes out of good customer service, much more than just customer service. The other one I would say, and this is more of a consumer than an expert, creator of the sites, I would plead with anyone not to have a NAF chat bot that's really annoying. We've all experienced it. Uh, sometimes the biggest companies in the world seem to have the worst yeah. customer service. I, I just think that builds great and sort of the opposite of goodwill. And what you need is one of those things when in the early days, frankly, you need to be willing to be disturbed at dinner occasionally and mm. have a chatbot that pings up and you can actually answer it in real time as a real human. And then later on, consider obviously getting somebody else to do that. But I think you have to be very, very careful if you do use automation, that the experience is not terrible. Um, yeah, totally. I'm sure that will be changing by the way. The way AI is changing right now in 12 months time from recording, that could be very different, but the quality right out now out there is pretty low, I would say.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the question is what, what do you, what do you think your personal time and energy is worth? And if you're a small time Mm -hmm. operator, kitchen table entrepreneur, and you really want to make a commitment to your business, talk to your customers, have an 800 number that rings on your phone differently than your normal phone line, you know, and you'll know when your customers are calling. And if you're a big deal, hire somebody to do in your Absolutely. business. Yeah. Have, have a phone rep. It's not that complicated. You know. Hey, folks,
1: I hope you enjoyed today's edition of The E-Commerce Leader. We had a very practical challenge today straight from the mastermind. The mastermind was literally a few days ago. So this is a very practical question. If you have a competitor selling the exact same e-commerce product, here are 12 ways to beat them. So we've gone over a few of those today. Uh, worth recapping just quickly, Dan Kennedy says he who can spend the most money acquiring customers wins. So I think the actual credit is something like, ultimately, the business that can spend the most to acquire a customer wins. Same thing. So you've got to be really mindful about this. It doesn't mean go and spend more money than your competition. If you haven't set your, co- your business up to enable you to do that, you would just go bankrupt. So you've got to be mindful about this. And a lot of what follows is really about setting your business up so you can afford to be that in that situation. A better brand, uh, especially name, logo, something that means a lot to your consumers. That's really critical. Um, better operating a system and efficiency, really important order quantity. I would say you've got to nerd out about that. You absolutely have to better financial management. Again, the use of supplier credit, in my opinion, particularly if you're ordering from China. The downside is um, if you're in the US or UK or Europe, it's going to take a long time to get there. So you've got a lot of uh, capital up for a long time. But the good news is that the Chinese particularly uh, often have access to government finance that is uh, on a very non-commercial basis. They can pass it on to you pretty generously and that can make a huge difference. Customer service and um, uh, other things as well. So. Hope that's a good little list. Do check out the show notes for this as ever. If you go to theecommerceleader.com, you can find the notes there. I think it'll be particularly useful little checklist today. And um, don't forget as well, if you find this useful, we'll come up with lots more useful, practical stuff for you as an e-commerce leader. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on the nearest podcast player to you as well. Thanks so much for listening. Look forward to speaking to you in the next show. Veteran e-commerce operators know that net profit is the vital lifeblood of a business. Better a small and profitable business than a large one that earns no money. The Profit Habits Workbook is designed to give you 17 actionable, specific and proven profit-taking actions. You can implement them at your own pace and let the power of this trusted framework revolutionize your company. The Profit Habits Workbook makes profit improvement a fast and efficient achievement. For a limited time, we are now sharing this resource with our listeners completely free with no strings attached. To download your 60-page workbook and begin your journey to a more profitable business today, just visit theecommerceleader.com forward slash Profit Habits. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England.
0: Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington.
1: We offer you free help on our website, including PDFs, videos, and mini courses on topics like traffic, product, and sales channels. Some are for Amazon, most are for any sales channel. To get those and to stay up to date with our podcasts, go to www.vecommerceleader.com. Thanks for listening.